Good afternoon. This is Father Toby with your word for today. And we'll begin with our gospel um, from today, which is... Sorry, I have lost it there a moment. I'm still on midday prayer, not the readings of today. But now I will, I will be there. Okay, yeah, our gospel for today is, um, is from Luke chapter 4. Leaving the synagogue, Jesus went to Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to do something for her. Leaning over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her, and she immediately got up and began to wait on them. At sunset, all those who had friends suffering from diseases of one kind or another brought them to him, and laying his hands on each, he cured them. Devils too came out of many people, howling, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them, and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. When daylight came, he left the house and made his way to a lonely place. The crowds went to look for him, and when they had caught up with him, they wanted to prevent him leaving them. But he answered, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns too, because that is what I was sent to do. And he continued his preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Angels and demons. We don't really believe in all that stuff anymore, do we? Well, angels we certainly do. Angels are booming business, calendars, pictures, books, fly off the shelves. And even the unreligious speak of their departed loved ones as with the angels now. Demons. Well, at the barber's a couple of weeks ago, the barber was telling me how much he hates them and how he wishes he could kill them all. This from a man who said he has no real religious belief. But he encouraged me to become an exorcist because he wanted and took comfort from knowing that people were battling the demons. But chances are you've heard a homily or two, or at least read some article which tells you that Christians don't believe in demons anymore because we know more now. And we know that diseases aren't caused by demons. The flaw in this thinking is brought out by today's gospel, though, because the Jews knew that not all illness was caused by demons, they knew the difference between a fever and demonic oppression. Although which category they would have put man flu into, I'm not sure. But in today's gospel, Jesus first rebukes a fever in the mother-in-law of Simon, proving that he has indeed been sent to save all, mothers-in-laws included. I'm only joking. As a mar married priest, I have no mother-in-law issues at all. And Pope Francis rightly spoke a little while ago of the gratitude due to mother-in-laws. This is the mother of the person you love most in the world, after all. You should love her for the gift of the life and the character of your spouse. But back to my main point. Jesus rebukes a fever with no mention of any demonic activity. But then we're told that after sunset, people with all sorts of diseases were brought to him and that he cured many people. And we're further told that devils came out of many people. Not all, but some. It's clearly not the Jewish understanding, then, that all disease is demonic. 
And so the dismissal of the demonic as simple lack of knowledge about disease doesn't quite fly. That's not to say that sometimes people wouldn't make mistakes. That's not to say that sometimes people haven't used the existence of the demonic in a coercive fashion over others as a power play. But it doesn't mean that we can be as contemptuously dismissive as some are inclined to be. You have to ask, what caused the Jewish to think that some of the affliction in the ill was demonic and some was not? What caused them to say that demons left some and not others? Also, what about us? Aside from some people who I've seen for whom demonic activity seemed the most plausible explanation of their behavior, talking about people who come into churches and began to shout with a sort of a very sort of like glazed over look, you know, real obscenities at, at religious statues and then minutes later sort of almost in in tears and not knowing quite what had happened in them. Um, aside from this, just in our more general experience of life, to what do we attribute the malicious, the wicked, terrible thoughts that sometimes enter into our heads? Is that just me? Am I just a person who is permanently having to try and suppress a deviant element within me? Or is there some other cause? I certainly have become more convinced over the years that we are engaged in cosmic warfare. And if you take seriously the words and actions of Jesus, I think that's the only sane conclusion. The difficulty, though, is that taking the words of Jesus seriously might be incompatible with what some call our worldview or what Charles Taylor calls our social imaginary. This is something that I've become a lot more interested in in recent months. What Charles Taylor, the writer of a, a massive and important book called the, the Secular Age, calls the social imaginary are the beliefs that form our basic understanding of the world, the lens through which we see things, if you like. And what he points out is that for most people, these have not been thought through. It's not like we've each studied philosophy and drawn our conclusion from years of serious study about the basis of reality. More likely, it's something we've just absorbed from our upbringing, schooling and the culture. And what many of us have slipped into is what we'd call a naturalistic worldview. The world has been disenchanted. Everything has a purely scientific explanation. And if we can't explain it with science yet, that's only because the science isn't there yet. It will be, though. We have an idea of the watchmaker god who designed the watch, wound it up, and then sits back. Even with all the mountains and the valleys, all the beauty of creation, it's still ultimately a very flat view of the world. And it can't make sense of my sense of having a soul. Can't make sense of my longings that nothing on earth can seem to satisfy. It tends just to dismiss what we cannot understand. The formation of our imaginations is way more important than most of us think. And when I say imagination, I don't mean imaginary things. Rather, I mean the images that form our thoughts. But fiction can be very good for forming our imagination. Fiction is wonderful for our moral imagination, for our ability to empathise with others. Research, in fact, shows that people who read novels grow in empathy. 
but fiction can also be very useful for forming our worldview. I think particularly of tales like The Lord of the Rings here and very many fairy tales. I say this because they take the reality of evil seriously. Chesterton once said that the importance of fairy tales is not that they show that dragons exist, but that they show that dragons exist and can be defeated. This is so true. In our battles against evil, we will have so much more success if we recognize that we are not fundamentally at war with ourselves, with the inherent danger that sometimes we take the wrong side, we then side with our sinful inclinations because that's a part of me too. We have to recognize we are at war with the devil who wishes to lure us away from all that we're meant to be. Perhaps the job of Frodo and the hobbits is less distant from us than we think.